everyone. Hello. And welcome back to another week of Saturday the 14th. This is Maggie. And this is Maddie. And we're going to be discussing a really fun horror movie that came out last year. You know, I don't know if fun is necessarily the word that I would use. I really enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching it, too. I, I don't know that I came away thinking, like, that was a really fun experience. Yeah, that's true. But it was anyway, a great experience. We're going to be talking about The Witch today. We are. We're going to be chit-chatting about The Witch. Which is a great kind of religious horror movie. Yeah, it's a really fascinating look at um, religious zealotry and witchcraft in 17th century New England. It's more fun than it sounds. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we talked about last week how Maggie actually fell asleep last time she watched this movie. Which is embarrassing. And when I was watching it this time, I was like, I, I don't understand how it happened. Because yeah. I was like engrossed the entire time. Yeah, I uh, never fell asleep during it, which again is weird because I usually fall asleep during movies. You do, you do a lot. But after about the first 10 to 15 minutes, it picks up a lot. Yeah, because at first it's just like tense and then, yeah, like 10 to 15 minutes in, it just gets insane for a little yeah. while. Yeah, oh man. And then you're not going back to sleep ever again. So. No, I definitely yeah. had some problems sleeping after this movie. No. It's okay. It just was a little creepy, you know? It, I mean, it is. It's definitely creepy. We watched it on Thanksgiving morning. Really? Which is an inappropriate time to watch this movie. Yeah, Although that I sounds felt like, like it. it was like, you know, early America. Celebrating the pilgrims. Religious atrocities, sort of. Celebrate you know. the pilgrims by watching a movie about all of them dying. Yeah. Not all of them. Some of them well, dying. Many of them dying. Yeah. I went to Temecula over the Thanksgiving weekend for a wedding, which was nice. fun. Ended up watching part of John Wick 2 in a hotel room instead of, like, dancing at said wedding. I still haven't seen John Wick 2. Is it good? I've never actually seen the first John Wick, and I only caught, like, the last half hour. But, I mean, Ruby Rose was fighting people, and that was always fun. That's cool. I like that. I have to check it out at some point in time. Uh, yeah, we went to Colorado um, to be with my boyfriend's family, and it was wonderful. We drove there, which was not wonderful because it is a 16-hour drive from Los Angeles each way. Oh, my God. And it was, uh, by the time we got to Colorado, when we were driving out, it was already dark. So we were going through all that, like, icy, windy roads uh, in the Colorado mountains. And that was just terrible. That sounds pretty (laughs) rough. It was really scary because, like, I couldn't tell when we were up on the mountains versus, like, when we were down on the ground. And so I was just terrified the entire time. (laughs) It was really cool. It was a good time. Good Good bonding experience. Yeah. It's like a real-life horror movie. It was. It was like, I might die. Yeah. But I might not. So, and I didn't. So, feeling good. In this case, Maggie would be the final girl. I I would not be. I would die very early. (laughs) Let's be be real. Temper expectations there. Perfect. All right. So, as we mentioned, this is The Witch. Um, Full title is The Witch, A New England Folktale. And the title's like stylized or it has two V's instead of a W for some reason. Sometimes when it's written. That's something that Robert Eggers, who is the director and writer, um, actually found on like a pamphlet about witches from the 17th century, and he thought it was really interesting, so he used it for uh, for the title of this movie, which I, I I like. I like it, too. I had no idea why, but it definitely kind of gave it a more, like, old-timey feel in a weird way. The Vavitch. The Vavitch. So we're going to be talking about The Vavitch, a New England folktale. Um, so this movie came out in 2015. Oh, it was 2015, not 2016. Yeah. I messed it up earlier. That's okay. Sorry, friends. I didn't want to correct you. You could have. It I could have, been okay. but I wasn't going to. I figured we'd get to it anyway. Yeah, that's true. So as I said, it is uh, written and directed by Robert Eggers. Um, it stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Thomason. Um, it also stars Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, who is um, 
Oh gosh, Mother? what is her name in um, Game of Thrones? Do you watch Game of Thrones? Who is she in Game of Thrones? She's uh, Lysa Aaron. I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, the cat, cat's sister. Oh oh oh! She's yeah. the one who has like the four year old boy. Yeah yeah oh, yeah. That's weird. Basically, just people are inappropriately breastfeeding from her in a lot of different. Yeah, that's movies. an overall theme of yeah. things that should not be breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Yeah, I feel bad for Kate Dickey because I I feel like it's a weird. Um, think to get pigeonholed into role of crazy woman who is just the wrong thing is suckling at her bosom. You know, it's a very specific thing. She probably won't get a lot of roles, but at least she'll get those roles every yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, they're going to go straight for her. Perfect. Straight for her. Um, so it also stars Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger, and Lucas Dawson. And uh, the true star of this movie is Charlie the Goat as Black Philip. Oh, Charlie. Charlie the Goat. I kind of want to be friends with him, but not really after seeing this movie. No, I don't think so. No. So this is another one of those movies that actually had a really small budget. It was only made for about $4 million. Which is a lot more than some of the other movies that we've done. But yeah, but when it comes to movies, it's really not a huge budget. Yeah. And I think even the marketing budget was decently small. Like, you didn't see it billboards as much for it. You saw it was kind of a smaller, more social media run campaign. That's true. And it actually ended up making over $40 million at the box office. So it's another one of those that ends up making 10 times what it was made for. Yeah. And this one, unlike some of the other ones we've covered, <laughs> was also very well received uh, with the critics. And it has like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right yeah. Now. Everyone I know who's seen it, who didn't fall asleep in the beginning, <laughs> has really enjoyed it. Like There were, I will say, a lot of Amazon reviews that were like, this is dumb. I don't know what they're saying. Why are they talking like that? It was a little difficult to understand. I did watch it with the sub titles on especially after you suggested that I do that yeah because they they the dialogue that they use is really accurate to the time period which is really cool and I really liked it yeah I just it definitely took a little bit of getting used to yeah. it first yeah and it, the the subtitles really help because uh, the dad has like the grumbliest voice in the entire world yeah it's and so low I just couldn't hear him sometimes there are some things that were said really quietly that we probably wouldn't have caught otherwise yeah and when there's like whispering at the end yeah understanding exactly every word that was said was really important. It was. Um, now, one of the cool things about uh, this being a lower budget is the way that they dealt with that and the way that they still, um, the way they kind of conserved their budget was that this movie is really only about one family. And aside from the opening scene and then the very last scene. I guess there are only really seven main actors outside yeah. of the opening scene. Yeah. So that keeps your budget down. Plus, most of these people are not super famous. Yeah. Um, I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy is doing well now. She is, because she's been in this. She was in Split, which did come out earlier this year. Yeah, and then she's in that Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds? I've, I haven't heard of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Some new, I don't know, movie that I saw something on Facebook But she's about. definitely not like an A-list actor yet. No, she's no, She's really yet. good, though. I mean, yeah, I think great. I could see her really blowing up at some point. Yeah. This is a great first really big role for her. Yeah, she was fantastic. Um... So when they shot this, so it's about this family that has been banished from their village in New England. When they shot this, uh, Robert Eggers wanted to do it on location in New England, but there aren't really any tax incentives in New England, which there should be, especially in New Hampshire. Come on. Like, what else are you using I can New talk Hampshire for? about New Hampshire because I am from there. Mm -hmm. No one is going to New Hampshire. <laughs> Not just for fun? I mean, for like it's explosives. Pretty. Um, cheap alcohol. Cheap alcohol because there's no sales tax. And um, aren't they also state run liquor stores? Yeah, there are. And cool foliage. 
Foliage is nice. But there's foliage kind of all around. So I feel like New Hampshire should be bumping up their tax incentives after, and get some crews in there. After my boyfriend listened to our last episode, he told me I was definitely wrong about palm fronds being fall leaves. <laughs> They're not. And that Maggie is definitively correct. So I, I have to say that you are right here. I know about foliage. So uh, instead of filming in New Hampshire or in New England, um, what they did is they went and filmed in Kiosk, Ontario. I've heard there actually are a lot of shows shot in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Canada has good tax incentives. Apparently, like, a lot of HGTV shows take place in Canada for that exact reason, because it's so cheap to film there. That makes sense. You know, the Property Brothers are from Canada. Again, because I think that's why they often film in Canada. Yeah. I love me some Property Brothers. Oh, gosh, I do. I do, too. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. We're going to make a Property Brothers podcast. HGTV, all about fixing up things. A lot of subway tile. Which one do you like? I mean, definitely the handyman guy. Yeah, me too. He's so much hotter. He's so much hotter. It's just, uh, I was telling Tim about this, and I, I was using it to explain how, like, it's basically how you can tell what kind of man you're interested in, whether you're interested in, like, a buttoned-up, like, businessman or, like, a handyman who, like, rolls his shirt sleeves up and, like, gets a hammer. But he still always has, like, clean, put-together clothes yeah. and, like, a nice button-up. Yeah. But I just think it's so funny that they're identical, and one of them I'm like, Ugh. and the other one I'm like... Come knock down <laughs> these walls wall. that I built up around my heart. <laughs> I'll let you open make- up my heart the way you open up that floor plan. I was going to say, you can make my body an open concept. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't working very well. I apologize to everyone listening right now. Next week, we're going to start our erotic HGTV podcast. <laughs> you guys, I just really like open floor plans. <laughs> I really hate them, but we can discuss that on the... You don't like rooms? The kitchen should... Sorry, I love you rooms. like rooms? The kitchen should be a kitchen. Because we have a one bedroom, but like our kitchen is just in our living room. And so I love anytime it. I'm cooking, you can just smell it, which is fine sometimes, but like the garbage is there. And like, yeah, but let's say that you're entertaining and you're having people over. You can cook and hang out with people at the same time. That's true. But also, if I had a separate kitchen, I could close that door and then no one would have to look at my dirty dishes, which there are always. That that is a valid point. So I need I need a closed floor plan to hide my shame. Okay. Anyway, speaking of shame, let's talk about the witch. Yes, definitely, because there's a lot of shameful things that happen in this. There sure are. So the film begins with the family being banished due to William, the father's religious beliefs. So they decide to move out to a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere, get out of this little village they've been banished from. I thought it was interesting that they don't really specify why they've been banished. Like, there's a disagreement in terms of, like, religious interpretation, but you don't know if, like, William is more, like, religiously conservative, more extreme, or it, less extreme. It seemed to me like they thought he was more extreme. Yeah. Because... That's kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. But. And, I mean, I read somewhere the theory is that he was actually Calvinist, which means he believes more in predestination, and that before you're even born, like, it's decided whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. And so you just got to, like, live the best life you can still for obvious reasons, but it's a little more intense. And it actually also kind of explains things that happen later on the movie, but we'll get that yeah. later. We'll get there. So out on the farm, so Thomason, who is the oldest child and the one played by Anya Taylor-Joy, Toy- Taylor-Joy, and she's playing peekaboo with the newborn brother, Samuel, who's adorable and tiny. He's so cute. And they're playing peekaboo, and she covers her eyes at some point, and when she reopens them, he is gone. That part, like, 
the fr- I do remember the first time that I watched it because I knew about that part this time when I watched it. But the first time when I watched it, even though I was apparently dozing off, I was like, oh, my God. See, that was like, like that one was of the so main cool. parts of the trailer, which yeah. is what made me want to see the movie. Like that scene was really well gone. done. I don't think I saw the trailer before I watched the movie. Oh, I a lot of things were kind of shown in the trailer. Yeah. That was the majority. And just there's a scene of her like very... Um, over dramatically, like undressing at some point with her hair down. That seems like a spoiler. It does, but there wasn't. I didn't know what the reason was. It just yeah. saw her like taking off her dress. You can only see her from like the shoulders up. So she could have been even been getting into a bath or That's something. That's true. Okay. Though I do think she had like blood on her face or something oh, when she was well, doing that. it. So it's a little bit of a spoiler. Yeah. So after he disappears, we see this crazy scene where the witch. Oh, I forgot about apparently that. Apparently, in the woods. Um, like she's got the baby on this table and she's like got a knife and she puts the knife right near the baby and then it cuts to the next scene, which is just like there's blood everywhere and she's like smearing it all over yeah. her body. It's this very like gooey, red, gross substance that's very clearly supposed to be like mashed up baby. Yeah, it's gross. It's <laughs> so gross. But it's really nice because I think something this movie does really well is there's a lot of implied violence and you don't actually see very much of it until yeah. the very end. There's a little bit, but still still not that much yeah you're right and yeah most of the like the witch stuff you don't really see yeah a lot of it happens where like you'll see some small thing and it'll cut to another shot where whatever the violent act was has already been done and you see more of the aftermath so it's really left up to your imagination what the witch did for instance to kill the baby and smash it up like that yeah which i'm guessing actually also saved them money on making the movie yeah i would imagine so i can't really even begin to think of what kind of prop work you would need for a mashing up the baby oh lord yeah oh god so anyway, I don't want to think about that. Getting back to the family farm, people are clearly not happy. No, things aren't good. And I think that Catherine, the mom, kind of hated Thomason yeah. even before all of this. She stuff seems to happened. have a really big problem with Thomason. Which I don't really know why. It's clear that Thomason didn't want to leave the the place in the beginning because they had to like call for her to come with them. Thomason does say this prayer towards the beginning that's talking about how she's been a sinner and how she's been kind of she sinned in every way possible or something like that is what it says. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't think so either, especially with what happens later in the movie because there's more sinning, I guess. Yeah, it seems like that she had a lot left to do. Yeah, but so she talks about how she has like wanted to play and stuff like that on the Sabbath. She's had impure thoughts and all those types of things, and so she's praying for forgiveness, and I think it's clear that her family has kind of told her she's been doing these things wrong in addition to her feeling that way because her family is very religious and very very vocal about it all. Yeah, and we kind of see that with the next, like, I don't know if it's exactly the next scene or shortly after when Caleb and William go out into the woods where Caleb is, like, asking um, if his baby brother, since his brother wasn't baptized before he was taken... He's like, oh, is he in hell now? And the father just refuses to answer yeah, the question. Yeah, he's just like, we don't know. That's up to God. Like, we don't, you know, we don't know about that. It's not ours to know. But there's a later conversation, the kids over here, where the mom's, like, crying and being like, our son's in hell because yeah. he wasn't baptized. Yeah, so obviously that's what they think is going to happen. And it's just really heavy and, like, it's sad to think about these little children. I mean, I guess this is before, like, childhood really existed. Yeah. You know? So... While they're out in the woods, William accidentally injures himself, and so they have to go back in. They don't catch anything. There's nothing in the trap. But they're shooting at a rabbit. They do find a rabbit, and they try and shoot at it. And then the gun backfires and, like, fucks up his eye. Yeah. And so they go back, leave the woods, and Caleb 
and his dad meet the mom and she's freaking out. Where were you? And Caleb comes up with this lie about potentially seeing apples and they're trying to go get apples for her. Yeah. Which is like a surprisingly good, like for a kid who's not ever supposed to lie, like he really thinks on his feet. He's like, oh yeah, dad didn't want to tell you because then if we didn't find them, you'd be disappointed. And he wanted it to be a cool surprise, which is like, what else has he been lying about? You also find out during this wood scene that the dad has taken a silver cup that belonged to Catherine. Yeah. And sold it in order to afford traps to try and get food because the crops aren't doing well. No, they have corn, but it's like all rotted through. Yeah. So that's kind of a whole subplot that comes up later. Yeah. Is that they're basically all just out here starving to death. Like it's, it's not going well for anyone. (laughs) So they get back and there are a couple scenes that kind of show off the relationship between the little twins that are there. Oh God, they're so creepy. They're so creepy. They say everything at the same time. Oh Not everything, but like most of it. They do that a decent They sing amount. to their goat, Black Philip. Black Philip, Black Philip. I don't remember any of the words. It's like but a crown grows out his head. It's so something. creepy. I don't know. They sing it all in their like weird little creepy high pitched twin oh baby voices, and I don't like it. Um, so we see that apparently Black Philip talks to them. Black Philip is a goat. Yeah, they make they talk about how like Black Philip says you're bad or something like that in yeah. terms of Thomason. And Thomason gets really angry at the kids because she's trying to do work to help out the family, and they keep like getting in her way. So she goes off on Mercy, who's the daughter, who's yeah, like the little girl the little twin. Girl, yeah, because um, it's a fraternal twins, a boy and a girl, and. She goes off and starts claiming that she is the witch of the woods and how she killed the baby and made a deal with the devil and all of that, which terrifies Mercy. Yeah, which I guess is what she was going for. She's like, I'll eat you if you don't behave, if you tell mom and dad any about anything about this, like I'll murder you, which, listen, don't say that to your younger sibling, because I'm a younger sibling and we're just waiting yeah. We're just waiting to find something Whoops. that we can use against you. I'm the oldest. Yeah. I definitely was not as nice as I should have been to my younger siblings, but we get along very well now. Did you ever scream at them that you were the witch of the woods and that you had murdered your brother? Um, I did not scream that particular thing, but it's something I would have done. I actually made <laughs> in one of my art classes in like third or fourth grade. I made a werewolf mask because the night before the werewolf episode of Buffy had been on and my brother had seen it and he was absolutely terrified. So I made a werewolf mask in this class in order to scare my brother. Oh my God. And then it ended up like being put into the art show and it was great. I still have it somewhere at my parents' house. They used to like have it on a wall because they loved it and it had all these feathers on it. Oh my God. It was really creepy. Clearly I've been into this horror thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably best to avoid the family dynamic of this particular family. Oh, definitely. Because so we go to this dinner after all this has happened. And so Catherine, the mom, is clearly not happy with Thomason. And there's a lot of pent up stuff here. But she actually blames Thomason for their silver cup going missing. And it was a cup that really meant a lot to her. I think it was her father's cup. And Caleb and the father, William, just stay silent and let the mom, like, attack her for this. Yeah, nobody does right by Thomason in this movie. No, they're all kind of mean to her. Yeah, even Caleb, who wants to definitely get with her, which is gross. Which is so gross. they're siblings. Yeah, there are a lot of, like, small shots of Caleb, like, staring at Thomason's cleavage. He's, like, the younger brother. There's a weird tickle scene right before the witch There's some weird things that happen, yeah. It's creepy. 
This is why you don't raise your children in an isolated farm miles away from other humans. Yeah, just don't do it. There need to be more options. Let them get actual human contact. Yeah. So after that dinner, that's when she starts, when they overhear the fight, right? When the kids, because the kids go to bed. And I love this scene because the the family are all going to bed and it's a very tense scene. But the mom and the dad are in bed and they start to have a conversation about things. And they're literally just like, hey, Thomason, Caleb, are you guys awake? And there's nothing. And they're like, "Okay, now we can start screaming at each other about how fucked our family is. And then on the other side of the wall, you just see every single kid sitting there listening to their parents, like shrieking about how they're doomed. Yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty difficult scene to watch. And you can just like feel so much for Thomason because the parents are talking about how they don't have enough money for food. They don't have like the crops aren't going well and they're just going to take Thomason into town and like give her to a family in exchange for money and food. Yeah. Basically, they'll just she'll work for someone else because she's like of the time of womanhood, as they put it. And she is in their mind troublesome. She's honestly trying her best. She is. She's, like, taking care of the kids. She's doing everything she possibly can for that family. Yeah. And she's still a 14-year-old girl. Like, you're going to make mistakes as a 14-year-old girl. I felt really bad for her this whole movie. Yeah. Which I think you're you're supposed to, but... Definitely. So, in the morning, Caleb hearing this wants to save Thomason from going out. And so he gets up early and goes down to the barn. He wants to go out to the woods to check the traps and maybe go hunting and kill maybe the rabbit that they saw earlier. Yeah. Something like that. Get some food for the family so that way they won't have to give away Thomason. Yeah. And she catches him getting ready in the morning. And she basically tells him, like, either you bring me with you or I'm going to go wake Dad up right now. And so he's like... Okay, let's go. Yeah, so they go out into the woods and they bring their adorable dog. Oh, I love their dog. It's really I don't sweet. remember their dog's name, but I liked him. I liked him too. I also don't remember it. They also bring their horse, which I thought it was really funny when I was watching it because Caleb is like getting the horse all saddled up. And then Thomason's like, no, I'm coming with you. And the next scene, she's on the horse and he's like walking next to her. Caleb is very um, chivalrous. He's yeah. actually like a really nice guy. He seems like a sweet He's kid. definitely like sneaks peeks at his sister's cleavage, but he's not doing anything bad. He no. just, it's supposed to He never to like be... tries anything or. No, it's just supposed to be that he's a teenage boy on the brink of puberty. Yeah. Or I guess he's like 12 or something like that. Yeah, with no appropriate outlet. Yeah, so it's just kind of proving that he also has a not perfect side to him because his actions all kind of show him to be this like perfect kid. And if it didn't have those shots, he would seem like this angel who did nothing wrong ever. Right. So they're out in the woods and they're talking and walking around and kind of figuring out what they're going to try to do. And they see this rabbit that's the same rabbit as before. Yep. Clearly not the nicest rabbit. Not the nicest rabbit at all. And um, the horse gets spooked. And the dog runs after the rabbit. The dog runs after the rabbit. The horse gets spooked and runs in a different direction, and right? And throws Thomason. And throws Thomason off. Yeah. And Caleb decides to go after the dog and the rabbit. Right. And gets separated from Thomason in the process. Yeah. And he's, like, climbing through all these brambles and stuff like that. Yeah, just let that rabbit go. The it's dog rough. will probably come back. But the dog doesn't, the dog come, doesn't back. come back. And neither does Caleb. Yeah, Caleb disappears. And he ends up finding what looks like a witch's house in the middle of the woods. Yeah, and this sexy, sexy witch opens up the door. And then, like, grabs and kisses Caleb. Yeah, and then we see, like, her gross hand. Yeah. That it's looks like, like a really- the witch we saw earlier. Like, it's this weathered beaten up hand yeah it's kind of gross and then shoots away to thomason getting out of the woods yeah so thomason gets found um she tells them that caleb is missing 
And Catherine is now blaming her for both the cup and for Caleb and for Samuel. So, like, yeah. in Catherine's mind, she's done some bad things. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, I think William kind of steps in at this point and is like, oh, no, she didn't steal that cup. I sold it. And also, I was out in the woods with Caleb, which is why he went back out into the woods. Yeah. So, William finally does right by Thomason. Thomason. And, you know, sticks up for his daughter and they're all at dinner and Thomason decides she's going to help out and go bed the goat. So that way it hadn't happened and she just wants to do something nice for the family. So she goes out to take care of the goats and then lo and behold, Caleb shows back up and he's naked and and it's raining outside and and it's gross. Looking bad. He does not look good. He's all all cut up and... Looking rough. He apparently appears to be possessed. They bring him inside. He's convulsing and screaming and all that type of stuff. He's like screaming about sin and he spits up this little baby apple. It's so weird. And so as this is happening, the twins actually blame Thomason and Mercy tells Kate about the conversation in which um, Thomason had told them that she was a witch. Yeah, and then Thomason's like, well, you said it too, and you always talk to Black Phillip. And, and they're all blaming each other, and... The twins start, like, also convulsing, sort of? They were faking to get Thomason in trouble, oh, totally. without a doubt. Totally. And so, it just... It's, it's a pretty rough. big mess. And then Caleb sort of breaks. It's like he breaks out of his... Yeah, the whole family's Possession. praying. Yeah, and he seems like he's having this, like, religious ecstasy moment, which also seems very sexual. It does. Um, where he's, like, talking about how beautiful what he's seeing is. And it appears that he's supposed to be going into heaven. Yeah, and then he dies. So. R.I.P. Bummer. Um, obviously, things don't go great from there since witch accusations have been thrown around at this point. And so Thomason and the goats and the twins... I'll get boarded up in the stable together. And they're all in there, and they're able to somehow fall asleep, but they wake up, and they find that the witch, like this gross, naked old lady, is in the stable with them. And she's drinking blood out of Flora, Flora's the white goat. She's drinking something out of it. We don't know for sure well, that it's blood. Well, because earlier you see Flora, like she goes to milk Flora, and, and blood was coming out. out. Yeah, I just thought that, is... that was maybe like... It seemed like it was from an infection or something. I know that it, it was supposed to be this sign, yeah. but thinking rationally, I was like, oh, she probably has like an infected udder. This sucks. She needs to be <laughs> well, seen by like, a vet. That's when the rabbit's in there, though, right? Because the rabbit shows up oh, in the goat, right. and then she starts lactating blood. You're right. So, yeah, okay, cool. I actually didn't get the fact that the witch was drinking blood. Yeah. yeah. That makes it so much grosser. Right? Isn't it disgusting? So it's really messed up. And then at the same time, in the house, Catherine has this weird dream hallucination that she's reunited with both Caleb and Samuel. And Caleb... Um, while he's, like, talking to her in this dream or whatever it is, um, tells her that they can be reunited and that he misses her so much and he wants to see her again. And all she has to do is sign this book and then they can be together again. Which alludes to the idea that all witches are supposed to sign in Satan's book. In the devil's book, yeah. And then she's like, no, no, first I want to nurse my baby. And so she takes Samuel and starts nursing him. And then it cuts away to oh, this so bad. fucked up shot. Of um, just a raven nipping at her breast. Yeah, it's like picking and it's bleeding. And just blood is going all down her white so nightgown. That's one of those scenes in which it's not left up to the imagination fully. No. But it's not pleasant. It's not. Ugh. Ugh. And so the next morning, it pretty much cuts to morning, and William goes down to the stable and finds the stable completely like torn apart, and the goats are all like ripped apart too, and the twins are completely gone. And Thomason's still there with blood on her hands. So this looks real bad for Thomason. It does. And so William accuses her of being a witch, and she 
basically accuses him of being a really shitty dad, which is true. I was so proud of Thomason because he's like, you're a witch, you did all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, well, like, who dragged us out here into the middle of nowhere? Who can't farm? Who can't hunt? Like, you can't do anything. It was such a beautiful and moment. like, you didn't back me up until you absolutely had to. And I was like, yeah, Thomason. That's about as good as it gets, though. It goes pretty downhill from there. And then Black Phillip, who's still around. The other goats are dead. Black Phillip's still around, luckily. He kind of breaks up this argument by killing William. Yeah, gores him. Oh, yeah, it's real bad. And, like, William at some point is going to kill Black Phillip, but then doesn't. But it's okay, because Black Phillip kills William. Yeah, he, like, yeah. He, like, gives in and, like, recites a final Bible verse. He's like, corruption, thou art my father. And then he gets gored. And then Catherine comes out and she sees what's going on and obviously thinks that everything is Thomason's fault. Right. She didn't see Black Philip gore William. No, but so she, she just sees, sees like yeah. a lot of the other stuff going yeah. on. She just sees like William is dead and Thomason has blood all over her hands and everyone else is dead. Yeah. So she decides I need to kill Thomason and yeah. goes ham on her and like starts choking her. And like laughing and screaming. And she's like definitely gone around the bend. I mean, to be fair, she spent the night with, like, a raven messing her up. Yeah. And, like, she has, like, blood on her nightgown, too. It's really Yeah, so bad. it definitely happened in real life. Like, yeah. the, something really happened to her boob. So, Thomason, while being choked, decides to fight back, and she ends up actually killing her mother in this fight. Yeah, and then she just goes out to the stable or wherever and just puts her head down on the table for, like, 12 hours. Yeah, she's pretty much in shock. Yeah. And then she decides that she's going to test her theory about whether or not Black Phillip really is like the devil. And so she goes to, or not that he's the devil, but that he's been talking to the kids. And so she goes to him and she's like, talk to me and tries to get him to actually talk to her. And he does. He does. And And says, what do you want? And it's this beautiful, really creepy whispering. Uh And I'm really happy I actually did have the subtitles on because it's very much like a little like, what do you want? And it's It's so so creepy and it's so good. And then he turns into a dude and he offers her the opportunity to live deliciously. And she pretty much goes a hard yes. She's like, fuck yeah, I would. (laughs) And I can imagine after being this family who's been mistreating her and just doing all these horrible things, she just killed her mom. Like, She's ready to have something nice happen, kind of, and be happy in some way or another, even if it means that she's going to hell. Yeah. And this is kind of where the idea of the dad being a Calvinist comes back in, because let's say that it is predestination. Her fate was picked before she had the chance to really do anything in her life. Based on everything that's gone on in this movie and based on the fact that she just killed her mom, it's pretty clear that if she believes in predestination and that most people in the world do end up going to hell, that she probably also will go to hell. So why not become a witch if it's going to happen either way? Right. So she signs his book. And she strips naked at his request Mm -hmm. and walks out into the woods. And then she meets up in a little fire circle with the whole coven. Yeah, there's all these women dancing naked around a fire. There's like people out there. Just a whole bunch of happy dancing naked women like chanting. Yeah. And then they all start to slowly float and revolve in the middle of the air. And it's so cool. And she's just watching like in shock. And then she floats and And you see her levitate and she's just happy. And she's laughing. It's like the first time you've seen her laugh this entire movie. Yeah. And 
I guess she laughed in the tickling scene, yeah, but she but still wasn't, was, like, a happy person. Yeah. And she seems finally, like, she no longer has a family whose expectations she has to live up to. It's like a weight has been both figuratively and literally lifted because she's not wearing anything anymore. So, like, she dropped her she's cloak and she dropped around. all the weight of her family. So that's a pretty powerful ending. It was Oh my god, the moment she started to float, my jaw just dropped and I was watching the end of this movie with my mouth open. And it is a really fantastic, brilliant movie. I did not expect to like it anywhere near as much as I did, but I loved it. I'm gonna be honest, like I feel like every week I'm like, I loved this movie, but I loved this movie. Like, I like Saw, but like I know what it is. But like The Witch is such a good movie. This is it's so <laughs> different than any horror movie I've seen like yeah. this. Because it's part thriller in the sense you don't know really know what's going on, but then there's still this kind of cool religious aspect that I mean, you don't know what's going on at all the entire movie. It's very confusing. And there's just this clear sense of evil that's attacking this family. Yeah. And it's so creepy and well done. And honestly, I think this movie in a way does actually have a comment about predestination because there's no I don't think that Thomason could have had this end any other way with the witch and the devil like attacking this family. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like there was maybe a plan to maybe it was the maybe they were trying to do all this stuff to get her. That's what know? I figured, like, actually. And it worked. Yeah. Because how could it not work? Right. Because what's she going to do? She's going to stay out there. It's, and she can't I, do that. She can't go back because now it looks like she just murdered her whole family. Yeah. And she, like, I mean, she did. She kill literally her killed her mom. Yeah. So she couldn't go back to society. She wouldn't even make it walking yeah. by herself. No. And even then, I mean, even if they understand why she killed her mom, it's like it's still there's still gonna be like that curse or whatever that seems like it's on her because everything terrible has happened to her whole family so so this movie highly recommend definitely definitely watch it if yeah. you haven't i'm sorry for spoiling it but at the same that's, time it's still that's worth what this podcast is and it's still so. worth watching even if you know what happened um unfortunately due to halloween costumes this year i had the idea that black philip ended up talking to her and asking mm-hmm. the question what's that like to live deliciously i had that part spoiled unfortunately but even with that spoiled, I loved I, it. I think that I somehow escaped that because I was surprised you. when I watched it. I was like, oh, shit, he's talking now. That's cool. And I always have everything spoiled for me these days. I feel like I just forget things. I wish I didn't. It was like part of my job to be spoiled by things. Like yeah. I had to do some research on a Game of Thrones article we were publishing where I used to work. And I just had to like Google stuff about artwork that very clearly showed a main character dying. And I was like, this is great. Thank you. <laughs> so I've just gotten used to it. And I have learned to really enjoy things, even knowing how things end, because it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about most of the population going to hell no matter what you do. True. True. <laughs> so it was actually at that point it's really not about the journey at all <laughs> so um, one of my favorite things about this movie is the fact that robert eggers did just what i can only imagine was an incredible amount of research it must have been insane like the way that people talk um the, i mean he talks there's a, a thing at the end where a screen comes up and it's like this is you know, not based on a true story, but it is based on all of this folklore and fairy tale uh, material that came out of that area during that time period. Like, basically look into it, check it out. It's pretty cool. So I did. <laughs> yeah. And we do go into this realizing this isn't what, like, real witches are. Yeah. We do have friends who are actually practicing witches, a yeah. couple of them. And so just a shout out to those friends. Love you guys. And we, also that... We know that you're not mashing up babies in the forest. Yeah. Those and were lies that we, people spread. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So this isn't so much about realistic depictions as much as it is about this hysterical period that they just chose to believe these really weird things, partially because half of them were hallucinating the entire time. Possibly. So, weird yeah. things, man. Well, it's interesting because it, it is, I mean, it's weird to be like, oh, it's very historically accurate in the sense that it's accurate to the folklore and beliefs of the time, but not... Because... To, I mean, nobody was out dancing naked and floating in the woods, you know? Like, that wasn't... People were probably out dancing naked in the woods. People were probably dancing woods. naked in the woods, but they weren't floating. rubbing the bodies of infants on them to float, so... Correct. You know. So for this episode, we kind of took a slightly different approach to some of the research than we normally do, because typically we've been looking at, like, you know, how these movies connect to other horror movies. Um, but since there was so much research done, we decided that we would do a little bit of background research on this as well and try to connect through um, to talk about where some of the ideas that he references in this movie came from. And some of them are really insane. They, like, yeah. I had no idea that this folklore existed in this right. way. Right, it's so weird. So, I mean, if you want to start with, like, the most basic stuff, like signing the devil's book, um, like, everybody knows about, like, making a contract with the devil or whatever, but this imagery of signing in the devil's book was very, like, specific to that time period. It's something that we see in, like, during the Salem witch trials. That's something that uh, Tituba, who was the first woman who was accused of witchcraft and who confessed... She claimed that she had signed the devil's book and that she'd seen all these other people's names in the book. And so what they would use that to do is once, like, someone had said, oh, yeah, 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 I saw, you know, when I signed the book, I saw this other person's name, then they have a reason to go look into somebody else. So it's sort of like the the scene where you see the kids accusing each other. Once any pressure is on, people would just be like, well, if it'll get me out of it, then that person's a witch. You know, that person's a witch. That's really interesting. So it was yeah. very much a callback to the actual trials in which all that finger pointing did happen. Yeah. And this is something that I also read about when I was kind of stumbled across the interrogation techniques that they used to get other names out of these people. This is from a book that uh, is about 15th century French witch trials. <laughs> so it's a little bit further back and it's a little bit different, but it's a principle that was apparently kind of applied as those things moved forward where um, the prosecutors would accuse the people. And then they were like, now listen, when you accuse a witch, they're not going to say, yeah, I'm a witch. They're going to say, no, I'm a good Christian. No, here's all this evidence. Look how everybody in the city likes me. And, you know, normal evidence that you would use to defend your own character. Which is exactly what Thomason did when her dad accused her of being a witch. Exactly. She's like, no, I'm your kid. Like, I love all of us and I wouldn't try to do that. But he would have had it so drilled into his head that like, yeah, a witch is going to say that. Of course a witch is going to say that. Because the best way that they thought to handle witches was to just torture them a bunch, throw them in jail, starve them, and then eventually, magically, they'll just come around and name you some names. So the idea of William throwing Thomason and the twins into this barn and having them stay there overnight is something that he thought would make them confess. And in fact, everyone except for Thomason just died. Yeah. So these are, I mean, these are people who are, they've been given what they think is accurate information on how to handle this situation. And that coupled with this isolation and mistrust that's breeding just, I mean, it leads to this horrifying bloodbath. One that I found really interesting is I was trying to look up what the rabbit means. Because mm -hmm. we see the rabbit like three or four times right before weird stuff happens. Something that I read that the rabbit could potentially be alluding to is the idea of irrational fear. Hmm. Because rabbits are scared of everything. Like I have some friends who've had pet rabbits and they pretty much just exist in fear a lot of the time because they're prey. They need to be constantly afraid because that's the only way that they can live. Right. That makes sense. And there is a lot of irrational fear going on yeah. around here. Um, another thing that I actually read 
that I found really interesting is that there's this, this Nordic um, myth of the milk hair or the mjolkara, which is a very nice accent there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which is like a little sort of like a familiar of a witch. Um, basically, what they'll do is they'll, according to this legend, take wood shavings and then um, like sacrifice some of their blood and make like a pact with the devil. And then the little wood shavings come alive and turn into a rabbit. And the rabbit goes around and does their bidding for them. And one of the things that they would usually do, which is why they got the name milk hair, is that they would go steal milk from goats and sheep and stuff like that. And then they would bring it back to the witch. Which is appropriate considering we do see the rabbit in the barn slash stables. Yeah. And then we also see the rabbit definitely doing the witch's bidding because yeah. it is out in the forest kind of getting, it gets Caleb to follow when William goes and aims the gun at it and shoots it. The gun backfires and hits him instead. So... Definitely the rabbit was working for the witch. Yeah, there's also a possibility that the rabbit is the witch and that she's like transformed herself into a rabbit because a lot of people thought the witches could do that stuff as well. It's interesting. They could transform and then they could go out and get into mischief in their bunny form. I wish I had a bunny form. Me too. I'm already afraid of everything, so (laughs) I might as well be able to hop a little better. It'd be perfect. It'd be great. I would kill it as a rabbit. So we've got that. We've got the nursing blood, which we also sort of see in the scene with the rabbit in the barn. Because the goat is spewing out blood instead yeah, of milk. Yeah, and then we gross. also see it again when the raven is pecking at the mother's nipple mm-hmm. when she's supposed to be feeding the baby. So she's basically feeding this raven blood. Which, I mean, kind of works if they didn't, you know, they didn't get her to sign the book. So instead they got her to, you know, provide blood to a familiar. Sort of this weird, creepy inversion of her love for her child that they've turned into like oh, a dark, perverted thing. So gross. Oh, man. So something that Maggie had also mentioned to me earlier was the idea that when Samuel was mashed up into that paste, what the witch was actually creating was a flying ointment. Yeah. So initially when I watched the movie, I thought that it was some sort of like Elizabeth Bathory situation where like she was bathing in the blood of babies to That is 100% again. what I thought it was, especially because the next time we see her, she's like young and hot. Yeah. But then when I was reading stuff about this, apparently the way that people thought that witches were able to fly is that they would make like a a combination of a bunch of different kinds of herbs with the blood or the rendered fat of an unbaptized baby. And then they would smear that all over themselves and they would put a small stick between their legs, which is where the broom thing comes from. So it starts as a stick and then grows to a broom. And it was supposed to represent the devil's penis. Hey. Is what I read on a Facebook meme at some point. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but I like it. That's weird, but I also like it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You're sticking it big. Does it feels? Yeah, there's a, a stick between your legs. Yeah, and you're riding it up into the air, covered in baby blood. So that's what I again. I just saw this on Facebook at some point in time. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, so they'd mash up these babies and they'd rub them all over themselves, and then that would apparently give them the power of flight. But Apparently a lot of the like recipes that exist, and I mean, these are probably largely apocryphal because who's going to have a real recipe book full of their flying ointments? But a lot of the herbs or the plants that they use um, in these are toxic or hallucinogenic. So you could very well rub it all over your body and then feel like you were going on a exciting flight, but, you know, whether or not you were is kind of doubtful. I mean, I'm going to take a hard no and say no one was flying. I feel like I'm flying every day when I eat, like, ice cream and stuff. I don't know. I like 
I was trying to go somewhere with it. Maddie's flying ointment is just half a tub of briars smeared all over her body. <laughs> More like Cool Whip, actually. And I do she have this, takes to the skies of Brentwood. I have this bad habit of eating half a tub of Cool Whip by myself in my apartment. Girl, I do that with sour cream. You know, I get like a beautiful like high off of my Cool Whip. Mm. You know? The other day I was uh, I was having dinner and I got some flaming Hot Cheetos and I just dipped them directly into the sour cream. And I'll tell you... What? It's oh better my than god! Because it it's like okay, so the sour cream is like creamy and cool. See, and then I just don't like hot Cheetos well, either. Well, then you're not gonna like it. But it's a good combo if you're into them. You guys should try it. Whoever's listening, try it. Let us know what you think. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so basically, speaking of hallucinogenics, speaking of hallucinogenics, which is my personal favorite segue. One of the things that actually Robert Eggers says that he put into this movie intentionally is the corn rot that you see was supposed to remind people of or be reminiscent of ergot poisoning, which is like a a mold that would get on grain that was really common uh, in these areas during the time period in question. And if you eat grain that has ergot poisoning in it, it can cause um, like seizures, convulsing, hallucinations, confusion, a burning sensation. Pretty much everything that Caleb experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like anything that being afflicted by witchcraft or possessed, um, that's what it would look like to an outside source. Which I think opens up a fascinating door. And it's kind of like last week when we talked about the idea whether or not Gregory Peck was actually kind of going crazy and thinking that his son was the Antichrist or whether it was all in his, like, or whether the son actually was the Antichrist. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And normally I would be like, a lot of times I don't love to take the it was all a hallucination route because I think it's a little bit. It can be boring because, like, the regular story is really interesting. But this time, because he opened the door for it and he was like, here's a hallucinogen that they might have had lying around. So if they're all eating poison grain, right, and then, like, their baby goes missing because, like, a fox took it or whatever, who knows? They think it's a wolf at the beginning, so maybe it was a wolf. Then you have this entire family who's out in the middle of nowhere. They're isolated from everybody else. They already don't trust each other. This terrible thing has happened, and everyone's, like, suspicious of Thomason. And not only that, but they talk about how they actually see wolf tracks. Like, William shows Caleb wolf tracks. Not yeah. on screen, but Caleb says that, like, no, like, father showed them to me. Yeah. So there could totally be a wolf who took this baby. This could be a dingo situation. Nobody believed them initially dingo either. Dingo ate my baby. Yeah. That was a horrible accent. I'm sorry. It was very bad. <laughs> no one believed that lady, but it really happened. So maybe a wolf took this baby, and then they're all going crazy because they're, like, going through horrifying food poisoning, and they're basically on a terrible mushrooms trip. And I think it's not a bad excuse in the sense. I do hate when, like, episodes wake up where someone, like, wakes up and they're like, oh, it's just a dream because yeah. it's just, like, a really bad ending to something. But it just doesn't resolve anything. It doesn't, and it's just a... It's a cop-out. Yeah. But in this sense, it's more like a... The door is, like, a little bit open. You can choose to push it open yeah. fully if you decide based on this one clue from the corn. Yeah. Or you can just choose to believe it how it is. And it still has a really satisfying ending either way. Yeah. Either she... it's either it's really happening or she's just giving in to madness. And, and again, the same thing with the omen where it has an ending. And the ending isn't, oh, it was a dream. He was crazy or something like that. The... It, 
is a full story without that side of things, but when looking at it from that perspective, it adds a really interesting moral dilemma. Yeah. I think I'm burnt out on the hallucination thing because of that time period where everyone was like, oh, how I met your mother. Everything is actually happening in a mental hospital because they're all crazy. Friends, everything is actually happening in a mental hospital. And like, like, no, guys, it's a a rom-com. It's a sitcom. (laughs) There's like a whole theory about rugrats and how all the kids are dead or something. And like Angelica is just imagining them because one of them was like a baby that died as a miscarriage. One of them. It's, it's a weird theory. Yeah, see, that's why I think it's boring, is because like people use it for everything. But in these but cases, in this I one, think it's really well done. I think, yeah, I think there's a, a use for it. And that said, if we do want to go with the more literal side of things... Um, Which is the road I prefer for this particular movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's also extremely interesting from a literal perspective. Um, the possession scene with Caleb is almost identical to one... Um, it was really interesting. So it's a, it's a um, 1672 uh, documented case, the possession of Elizabeth Knapp. And the reason that it's unusual is because at this point in time, most people were just so freaked out by possession um, or anything looking like possession that they wouldn't have made careful records but this guy Samuel Willard happened to be nearby or happened to know Elizabeth Knapp and so he very carefully documented all of her symptoms and everything that happened to her and basically Robert Eggers just looked at that and used that as his template for Caleb's um, possession like it talks about her screaming out um, sin sin money greed stuff like that which is like I mean he starts screaming sin sin in the middle of his possession the convulsing which are still things that we see in possession today which I think is interesting because not only is he pulling from a source that's like almost 400 years old, but also it looks like he could be pulling from, you know, the exorcist. So really the way that we look at possession hasn't changed that much in hundreds and hundreds of years, which I think is kind of cool. Definitely. I think that was really, really interesting. And yeah, like her throat swells shut, just like his jaw swells up and like closes up and they have to like break his jaw to get him to open his mouth. She does not spit out a tiny apple, at least that I saw, but he totally does, which is creepy. So creepy. It's and really gross. an allusion to the lie that he made. Yeah. And I think it includes his sin in a way. It's uh, confessing because he lied and lying yeah. is a sin. Yeah. So I mentioned before that um, the way that Thomason gets introduced to the coven is kind of like in line with how people thought that the devil got them, where the he waits. The whole idea about signing the book and doing it when they're at like a really low point. Yeah, so like he waits until all this terrible stuff happens or engineers all this terrible stuff to happen so that he can get her, which is in this treatise from the Aris Witch Trials in Aris, France, written by this anonymous guy who was probably actually just this guy named Jacques Dubois, which is a whole other thing. I'm going to put some of these notes up on our website when we eventually figure our website out. So if you guys care a lot about 15th century witch trials you can check that out but in the section of his work uh, which was titled how idolatrous witches are introduced to their sect and taught for the first time uh, he describes the devil's seduction techniques as appearing to such a desolate desperate person reminding him of his plight and promising a remedy if only he will obey him and surrender his soul since the devil does not do business otherwise And then the demon takes him to the congregation and instructs and teaches him about everything and gives him ointments and powders, the stick and everything else, etc. If only he will consent to the devil, for only consent without any reticence will suffice. Which is kind of what happens in that scene. You know, he like gets her on board and then takes her out into the woods. And the coven scene there, from what you see, is kind of also similar um, to how they thought things Uh, went down once he got out into the woods. Um, Dubois also references the devil's tendency to appear in the form of a goat or a dog or an ape or a human man. Um, So that's where you get Black Phillip as the devil, which also, you know, like we were talking about earlier. The whole idea that the devil has like a cloven hoof, right? Yeah. And goats are one of those animals that do. I think they do, don't they? Yeah, they do. 
So it's kind of a, a neat connection um, through all those different things. You can kind of see where that stuff pops up uh, time and time again. Um, one thing that they did leave out of the initiation oh ritual, my God. which part of me wishes they had included, is I also think it's a good from this. Thing that they didn't. <laughs> yeah, probably. This is also from that same work, and I don't think Anya Taylor Joy would have necessarily been as on board to film this part. So what he said is, and they paid homage to the devil and adored him, and most of them gave him their souls. Then they kissed the devil in the form of a goat on his posterior, that is, on the anus, with candles burning in their hands. And after paying this homage, they trod upon the cross and spat upon it in defiance of Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity. Then they showed their anus toward the sky and the heavens in defiance of God. So they kind of do a very tame version of this to a certain extent because i mean she's hanging out with the goat naked right yeah not that anything happens but and like she's dancing around out there show her appreciation for the goat and then they are dancing around naked and they do flips so their butts are actually in the air as they're doing flips in the sky while floating i guess you're right so i was just imagining them all in a circle just with their butts up oh, wiggling i think that's what is implied <laughs> but it's like a really tasteful way of doing this. Some tasteful anus towards the sky action. Oh my god. <laughs> so, anyway, another theme of this is the real, the treatment of women in these societies. Yeah, so anuses aside, my new favorite segue, the ending does actually say a lot about the treatment of women in this time period, and the, the kind of whole movie does. Um because something that I feel like is an easy question to ask is like, well, in this time period, if you were a woman who was raised in this really um, intense religious environment and you were kind of raised to believe that, like, yeah, if you're a witch, then you're going to hell forever and like your whole family is doomed and you're going to have to be put to death. Like, why would anyone want to do that? Like, why would anyone become a witch? Obviously, the power, which becomes a bigger factor when you realize how little power these women had. Yeah. I mean, these women had nothing like they weren't allowed. They had no say in any part of their life. Like, they're talking about Thomason, like how they're going to literally go to town and sell her. Yeah, they're just going to trade her out. So having the ability to say no to that, I could imagine, would be appealing. Yeah, plus, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, she's basically been told that she's going to go to hell for all the things that she's done wrong. So when she finally does a big wrong, it's like, well, why stop? It's like wanting to play on a day when she's supposed to be resting is going to get her to go to hell, then why wouldn't she become a witch? Because she honestly thinks she's going to hell no matter what. Yeah, and like, yeah, maybe you can pray to come back from playing on Sunday, but once you've killed your mom, I mean... Can't come back from that. No, of course you can't. And so this theme really kind of reminds me of the movie Carrie, because that's another theme where it's this overly religious family. It's just Carrie and her mom, but her mom is constantly telling her that she's this horrible, wicked child. I mean, when Carrie, like, gets her period, it's this really horrible, traumatic thing for her, and her mom is saying that she's like evil and all of that and after being told that she's evil for so long she kind of gives in it's like sure i'll be evil yeah it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you tell someone that they're trash all the time they're gonna become trash they're gonna, why fight it you know so that was a interesting connection to a movie i yeah. don't know if that was intended on his part or all it's just an overarching theme in society that they both included but yeah. i definitely saw that i mean i think it is also noticeable but the kind of their breaking point for both of them involves specifically killing their mother because thomasine has her like i almost used the phrase butting heads but considering how her father dies i think that is <laughs> a little too on the nose um, like, she doesn't always agree with her father, but they more or less get along. And even at the end, after she's like, no, I'm not a witch, you're just a bad father. He's like, okay, that's fair. Yeah. But there's this oh, tumultuous relationship between the mother and daughter. Yeah. 
and it's actually it takes place around the time of puberty in the same way in both of these movies. Yeah, yeah. When you're finally getting to that point where you and like you're ready to break out of that, animals' know? blood plays a big part in both of them. That is true. Where they kind of like doesn't Th- Thomason has her mother's blood on her, I guess, mm-hmm. when she actually officially gives in. Yeah, not like a pig's blood, but I don't know. They've There's been dealing with blood. goat blood the entire yeah. time, and she does have the goat blood on her hands as well. Yeah, and. That's when she goes and becomes a witch and first, like, really fully experiences her powers. And Carrie, like, she gets doused in pig's blood and sets everything on fire, so. And I do think that there is kind of a, like, a visual similarity between Carrie walking through town and, like, flipping cars and killing people and lighting stuff Mm -hmm. on fire and Thomasine walking towards the fire out in the woods. Because they're both both naked, right? Because Carrie's dress burns off. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And you don't really see that much. I haven't watched least, Carrie in a really long time, so I might be wrong about I watched that. the, like, Chloe Grace Moretz version recently. Man, you gotta watch the Sissy Spacek version. Yeah, I haven't seen the Sissy Spacek version. It's great because, like, Chloe Grace Moretz is, like, conventionally attractive, and Sissy Spacek is, like, pretty but weird. Pretty. Which I think actually fits it better. Yeah. I, mean, I read the book, and it's a kind of an odd book. I mean, it's, it's a really weird book. Thanks, Stephen King. I like I like the weird layout of with the, the articles and stuff like that. I think like it's that. kind of cool. It was cool. also his first book. So. Yeah. But yeah, I like that connection. I think that there is a really cool, strong sort of religious, fundamental religious extremism. And how like that religion and being too extreme with it can really cause the opposite effect. Exactly. Yeah. So the title of this movie is, like we mentioned, The Witch, A New England Fairy Tale. And I love fairy tales. Big fairy tale nerd. Maggie knows more about fairy tales than I was else like I gleeful like I texted Maddie and I was like we have to push back filming so that I can consult my own library about this <laughs> um, and it didn't end up being quite as helpful I found like that the folklore and um, witch stuff was a little bit more interesting for, for this subject but I did notice that there was a super strong uh, Hansel and Gretel vibe yeah I mean other than just the witch in the middle of the woods yeah. there's a lot about children as yeah. well and you have the the they have the better relationship with the father obviously this is a biological mother instead of a stepmother, but actually in the original version of Hansel and Gretel that the Brothers Grimm got from their connection in uh, Bavaria, um, they translated and rewrote a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that they did is they went from the mother figure in question, from her being a biological mother to making her a stepmother, to remove it from being like their own flesh and blood who had done that to them. What did they hate about stepmothers so much? I don't know. I don't know if maybe they had a bad stepmother or... If it was just that they were trying to make it so that, like, the family unit is still important, but a stepmother will come in and, like, mess it up, you know? Which instead just makes little kids hate their step-parents. Exactly. It's not good. No. I know a lot of people with great step-parents. I have a great step-parent. Yeah. My step-mom is wonderful. Your step-mom is great. I really like your step-mom. Me too. What's up? Hey, Stephanie. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, there's that. There's the the closer connection with him and his sort of... He was less willing to send them out, um, but it's still sending these two children out because their family is starving, because they're looking to get rid of, uh, I guess in this case only really they're just looking to get rid of Thomason um, instead of both of them. But still, the whole idea of abandoning your daughter in order to, in this case, it's to get more food. In that case, it's to reduce the food consumption, which it kind of has the same end goals. Yeah. And the two kids end up in the woods together. So it's Thomason and Caleb Mm -hmm. and they're helping each other and trying to work together, but they end up getting separated. Yeah. And Caleb, you know, obviously ends up meeting a bad fate, Uh, which I kind of thought was interesting because it's almost like a more realistic version of how meeting a witch in the woods would go. Like if you're not some super clever kid who can trick the witch into getting into the oven and, you know, dying that way, 
then you're just going to be destroyed because this is a person who's more powerful than you. Uh, and that's what happens to Caleb is that he's tempted by something that he really wants, which is a hot lady to make out with. Who's not his sister. Who doesn't want that. Um, and then he gets murdered for it. Um, which is obviously much more of a bummer ending for him than for Hansel. Yeah. I mean, it works out well for Hansel and Gretel, supposedly. It doesn't work out so well for Caleb. No. Or anybody else, to be honest. Maybe Thomason. I can see it going okay for Thomason. Actually, like, I feel like Thomason... Her life is probably a lot better as a witch than it would have been yeah. IRL. I mean, definitely. Although one thing that I found interesting was that in the the RS witch paper stuff, Dubois noted that sometimes the devil would give you fake gold. So Ooh. you would think that he was giving you real money, but sometimes it was fake money. Well, I mean, even she is just not under the torture that her family gives her. Like, yeah. even being alone in the woods, it's happier than she was all movie. And now she has all those lady friends and exactly. girls supporting girls, which is what we like to see. Always. Yeah. This movie also relates back to The Omen, which we watched last time, in the sense that, like, the kids are really They're creepy. They're so creepy. Oh, my God. These twins. They run around. They do everything together. They make up these terrifying songs about Blackfella. There's definitely a strong Twins from The Shining vibe. So I think there's just a thing about twins being creepy in general. Yeah. Something's weird about them. I mean, I have some very good friends who are twins, but... They're not weird. They're not weird. They're wonderful. But not murderous at all. They're not murderous. I mean, technically, these twins weren't murderous either. Well, maybe. Mm, We don't see what happens to them at the end. And we never actually see their conversations with Black Villa. Yeah, we don't know what he was telling them to do. So we don't actually know what conversations they were having. They could have been like little evil twins. Yeah, they definitely had an evil vibe. Like, they did not listen to their big sister. They didn't listen to anyone. And they were best friends with the goat, who was the devil, so... If your kids are friends with the goat, you need to get rid of them. Or the goat. Both. Both to be safe. Let's just be safe here, yeah. <laughs> Can't rid of those kids. <laughs> I think this is the second episode in a row that I've advocated sending your children back if they're creepy. You definitely have. I don't think you can really do that, though. I don't think you they let you. You haven't talked about your mom yet, though. Oh, gosh. New Hampshire's where my mom lives. <laughs> there we go. Keeping the streak alive. <laughs> She's a better mom than this mom. Every mom is a better mom than this mom. Yeah, but my mom's way better. Well, actually, Carrie's mom was a worse mom than this That's mom. That's true. That's true. Yeah, my mom would never try to strangle me. She hasn't yet. I mean, she's not going to try You never now, know what's going to so. happen. <laughs> so, I mean, and going in terms of, like, common themes you see in movies, the title, to a certain extent, is kind of a fake-out. Because we find out at the end, there isn't just one witch. There's a whole coven. So the yeah. title kind of refers more to Thomason than to the witch or witches that have been messing with the family. That's true. Although I would say that it's reasonable to believe that it's one witch who's been messing with the family. Because we see the naked lady. We do see her over and over again. And we don't really know if it's a different witch or if it's the old naked woman who is the attractive woman who seduces Caleb. Because it could be her with like a glamour spell on. Because there is that hand that grabs, but it could also be like two witches working together. Yeah. So it could go either way. We don't really know. But it's reasonable really to go with either explanation. Yeah. But I, I mean, I do think that the witch could just be Thomason. Yeah. Not and I mean, she in is terms now. of the title. Yeah. Yeah. Not just that it's Good Thomason. for you, Thomason. Live your best life. Live your best witch life. Put your butt up to the sky. And that's going to do it for, <laughs> for this week. <laughs> Live your best life. Put your butt up to the sky. And um, tune in next time. Yeah. So in about two weeks, we're going to be doing a little Christmas special. We're going to be featuring a couple of our favorite 
Christmas horror movies. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what those movies will be, we'll be announcing them over the next week or two on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Yeah, and if you don't follow us on Twitter, you totally should. Um, we are at sat. 14th podcast so that's sat 14th podcast and then on facebook just search saturday the 14th and we are listed as a podcast on there and you'll be able to find us we sure are also if for any reason you want to email us our email is saturday the 14th pod at gmail.com uh, and that's numbers for 14th as well anyway we hope you had a wonderful time discussing the witch with us this week and we're looking forward to talking to you about some Christmassy stuff in a couple of weeks so have a wonderful spooky couple of weeks take care love you bye friends keep your butts towards the sky Mwah. <laughs>